This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello and welcome to E2B Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and joining me to provide their expert insights on the oil and gas industry today is Lynn Loden, Managing Director at Opportune. Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. I am as well. I am as well. And so, Lynn, you know, you have over 40 years of experience in the industry. And so you've gained a lot of knowledge on the trends that we're seeing right now and uh, some of the topics that that we're going to cover today. So what topic stands out as one that we should explore in a little bit more depth today? Tyler, what I'd like to do is raise awareness for people who've become, shall we say, reluctant uh, investors in oil and gas in in a non-operating manner from their traditional, more passive uh, creditor relationship because of a lot of the restructurings that are going on. As you can just see in the business press every day, there's a number of them. And as a result of this migration, unwilling migration, if you will, the form of the instrument that the, these creditors that are now owners essentially get can do some damage to them as far as what the tax consequences are, both for receiving the type of ownership as well as, as holding it down the road. And so that's what I feel like I'd like to visit on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so just from, from the get-go, I, I think it's kind of important to set up the topic and, and set up exactly what we're going to communicate. But um, tell me a little bit about why it's so important for uh, for these creditors to vet their structure early in the process um, so that they can avoid maybe pitfalls further down the road. Kind of explain that process to me. Certainly. Many creditors, when, well, many investors rather, when they, they choose to invest in the upstream oil and gas space, they you know pick their risk profile. And the more risk uh, tolerant ones will tend to be an owner and uh, spend money on the development side, which is very high risk. And the less risk averse are going to take a position and invest as a creditor, which means their money's you know first uh, some of the first money that comes out. What happens though for a lot of those passive type investors is they are there can be tax exempt investors in there. There can be pension funds. There can be non U.S holders and such that have some special rules in investing in oil and gas because oil and gas in place is deemed to be real estate under U.S. law. And so that basically puts simply a, a foreign individual, uh, if they invest directly in a in a well, they're deemed to be a, a, a landowner here in the United States that has some rather sweeping tax consequences to it. So that's part of the deal is to understand when you migrate from a credit type investment, which is basically a debt instrument, to an equity instrument that's either a, a pass-through instrument, like in a partnership, or it's a share of stock, you need to know what happens because what you get every year is a little different. And for some of the passive type investors, especially tax exempt, they get indigestion, if you will, from having oil and gas income show up in their tax return. So how much of, of what you're seeing in this particular area is related to COVID-19 or um, maybe just related to other other happenings throughout the industry, be it uh, Saudi Arabia, things along those lines? We, we've covered those in, in previous podcasts. How much do you, is, is it these external factors that, that's having an impact on the industry as you see it right now? 
I think it's the perfect storm again in, in that you've got some global issues, as you accurately mentioned, but then also the, the COVID stuff seems to be sort of the last uh, twist of the knife, if you will. Between that, you know, with market volatility and such, because, you know, oil and gas is generally a commodity based business and, and such. So there's, there's a perfect storm out there, which is why you see almost a record number of bankruptcies of the upstream entities uh, going on right now, which is a little surprising because a lot of them were here just two years ago. And so there's, there's the, the unfortunate, you know, bad joke that's going around is people, instead of following a chapter 11, if you just did one, now they're going to do a chapter 22 because, you know, we're right back again at the bankruptcy court. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think perfect storm is a, is a good way to, is a good way to describe everything that, that seems to be going on at the moment. So, um, so Lynn, what is important for upstream creditor investors to understand about the differences in their income tax posture upon receipt of shares of corporate stock versus receipt of, a, of an interest in a pass-through entity? The main essence is, well, two things. You get what do you have, what are you reporting to return every year? And then what do you have at the end of the day when you uh, ultimately dispose of uh, the investment and get out? Because, you know, you're not going to hold it forever. You were, you were a creditor. You wanted to give them the money and get your money paid back and such. So the most vanilla one is a share of stock, which generally in the United States means that you hold the stock. If you get a dividend, good for you. You know it. You got the money. It's treated as dividend income. That's a good character of income for most any type investor. And such, and then when you dispose of the stock, it's it treated as a capital asset. Therefore, you can get favorable capital gain treatment on it in most cases. On the other hand, the pass-through entity is the form that the majority of the operators like to use because they get to benefit oil and gas benefits rather of uh, expensing the development costs, and so they like to have the pass-through type thing. The problem is, is that now you're treated as owning an undivided interest in all the underlying properties. Therefore, you get working interest income, which is income in essence from real estate and it's active business income. The majority of these pass-through investors, they have to go through some gymnastics to set up blockers, if you will, to hold these particular investments. And so what that does is that drives up the um, cost of compliance for them as well. And, and it, so it's just more SG&A uh, drag and such. So they, for, for a passive investor to take a, an oil and gas partnership interest, you, they really need to be heads up on that. And so what I'm finding, Tyler, in a lot of these discussions is they're not becoming aware of that until late in the day when the, the bankruptcy plan's already got, got some momentum. And then all of a sudden now everyone's upset because you have to stop and rework the plan when all the, the business people thought we'd already had this settled. Right. So, so in a way, it's it's important for restructuring advisors to aggressively address these uh, these after tax cash flow points early on in the process to to reach the best deal for investors, right? So that it's not getting to the last minute, and then these issues are coming up, and you got to restructure things, right? Uh, that's well said. That's exactly right. The, the, what I believe uh, takes place is, well, look, if you would, you, you probably have tax losses because you lost money because otherwise you wouldn't be here in the first place. And so a lot of people will go, well, there's just not going to be a tax problem with this. So because uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out. That, that's not driving the bus, which is true. You know, it, it, tax shouldn't drive the bus in bankruptcy many means. But it can be a nasty little problem in that with the way the bankruptcy code looks at tax liabilities during bankruptcy, those costs can be 
bumped up to a priority ahead of some senior creditors if you trip a tax during the administration of the bankruptcy case. And so that's where to me a lot of the risk is. You've got to go in front of the judge and say, here's the cash flow plan. And yeah, we think this is it. And then, you know, six weeks later, you're back asking for permission to write a, you know, seven figure check to the Internal Revenue Service. And that doesn't play too well. Mm. Yeah, I can I, I can see why that would be uh, why that conversation might go poorly. So what practical actions should be taken to avoid negative cash in, income tax consequences? So what, practically, what can people be doing differently in these cases? Simply share your straw man plan with tax advisors early in the process and 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 let the creditor about to become unit holders because uh, a lot of those are, are they're very very so it's it's almost like a bank group and that you've got you know 15 different firms that own an undivided interest in this debt and now they're going to get equity in it and so you've got to go talk to 15 different tax advisors on what's right for them so so that's just it, it, the, all these are solvable but it's it's just difficult to solve them you know at the 11th hour so just talk about the plan early and let the tax folks take a a, a shot at it early and that way you can raise your hand if you've got a real problem with this and then we can go in another direction because the fixes are fairly straightforward. It's just when it's last minute, it, you know, in an already stressful and, and a antagonistic deal, it just makes matters worse. Right. So by, by nipping things in the bud early on in the process, that that's the big thing to, to be aware of is that, you know, be aware of these things early so then you can take care of them because later on it's just more complicated and more difficult. And uh, with so many people involved in a process like this, it becomes kind of a, a more convoluted thing once it's further along in the process. It's well said. I, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> So how would you kind of uh, summarize the topic? That's kind of what we're, I want to put a bow on this nicely so that people understand exactly the issue and, you know, the way to solve it um, and and how they can change their actions moving forward in a way that will be beneficial. So if you were to summarize this, uh, you know, and and put a nice package on it for people who want to uh, want to take something away from uh, from this conversation, how would you summarize what we've talked about and, and what you want listeners to learn? If you're a creditor that is about to become a non-operating owner and there and, and the restructuring council is going to give you a partnership interest, raise your hand quickly, because if you've never had one before, they're different. There's a lot of information and some of it is it, it, it complicates your compliance process and it can even bring your tax exempt status into, into question. So if you've never had a partnership interest before and you're about to get one, raise your hand. Absolutely. I think that's I think that's very sound advice from somebody who has uh, experience in the industry that has seen this process before and and can really share this uh, this wisdom and this insight here on this level. So, Lynn, thank you so much for joining me today and and sharing your expertise on these topics. And uh, I think people are going to find it extremely beneficial. So, Lynn Loden, Managing Director at Opportune, thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. Tyler, appreciate your time and have a good day. Absolutely. You too. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it as insightful and educational as I did. And we appreciate you listening to this episode of E2B Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune very much. Of course, we have previous episodes of the podcast. So if you've missed one, make sure you go back in that feed. They're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you catch uh, the most recent episodes. And of course, you can subscribe on those platforms as well to make sure you get the latest from Opportune with all of their insight into the oil and gas industry. We'll be back soon with more episodes, but until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.